Cheers, and welcome to Where Wine Takes You. We are a wine podcast. We are a Paso podcast. We are glad you're here right now. This podcast is all about the people, places, the wines, the stories that have built Paso Robles into such a special and one-of-a-kind place and wine country. I am your host, Adam Montiel. I will tell you, we had a highly successful wine auction for Paso Wine Fest, raised, I think, over 70000 bucks. North of 70,000 bucks. Yeah, which is insane. So thanks to all my Paso friends who donated wine and or experiences that made for some one-of-a-kind moments and auction lots. And thank you for participating, taking advantage of some of these incredible Paso experiences. And Wine Fest itself, it was super fun. Tons going on. I had my dad in town. So we had some special time as men. And we went and uh, actually made body scrub. No joke. No joke. My dad just turned 75 and we are so confident in our masculinity or lack thereof and joined a bunch of lovely women. There was one other guy there who was with his girlfriend who won tickets from me off my morning show and we made body scrub. Damn it. It was so much fun. Local company Life Elements. They make super cool, all natural skincare stuff, CBD stuff and more. My girl and I love it. I mean, Life Elements, they're a well-known company nationally, I think even global, yeah. But they're from right here. They're local. It's so cool. So the owners, Martha and Kurt, are um, just awesome folks, and they're out at Cass Wines, and we had all kind of deconstructed parts of like a sugar body scrub thing, and we just went to town. I never pictured I'd be doing this with my dad in a million years, and so glad we went. We had a blast. I met cool people, drink great wine from Cass. I love all the folks there. So it was just something I will never forget. I later showed my dad the winery, and we tasted at Epic Estate Wines. Um, I just love, I love their wines. Jordan is like my winemaker crush. She's brilliant, artistic. The wines just kill. Uh, She was on one of the first episodes of this podcast. Great conversation. The winery was also rated number two, like in the world for architecture by Architectural Digest magazine or something. So it's just beautiful to be there. Uh, tasted some of what's about to be bottled there. And I think Epic is releasing literally its best wines in just a couple weeks. I can't wait. I'm so excited for them and for me to drink more of them. So the next day, we took Opa to Dow, taking the view, little meze plates, some wines. Uh, with such great people there and a view that just obviously won't quit. Uh, their new director of hospitality, uh, Marino, is actually the Mater D on Hell's Kitchen. Super nice guy, real genuine dude. I think he already shot the last season of the show, but it's on right now. But so cool to meet him. Super nice man. Uh, new to Paso and is just, you know, enamored with it. It's so cool to meet people who are just moving here or recently here and listen to just how they love the area and people. No doubt it's very special. So Paso killed it, this wine fest, even without a big event in the park. Still had a wine fest weekend I'll never forget. And that's exactly what it's about. Now, before we get into today's show, and I am so excited for it, I teased last time what I was hoping to line up and get you for this show, and I did. So I am I'm beyond pumped right now. Uh, but before I tell you who and where, let me remind you to please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It means so much. Tell a friend. I think this episode, we'll get a bunch of shares, too, once I tell you who we got. All right. I do first want to read one of the comments I saw yesterday. The name is tough to pronounce. Do gender. It's just a bunch of consonants. I wish I had discovered this podcast prior to my first ever trip to Paso, but now that I'm several episodes deep, I will definitely be making several weekend trips to Paso to meet and explore the people and places that Adam talks about in each episode. Also makes me want to meet Adam one day. 
Oh, that's nice. I would love to meet you. He would uh, be the most amazing guide to Paso ever. Oh, you are too sweet. I highly recommend this podcast for those wanting to learn not just more about the wineries, but also about the people of Paso and their unique stories. I especially loved the one about Bodega de Edgar. Keep up the amazing work. That is that right there. Reason we do this podcast. Love to read those. Thank you so much for the love. And let's continue. This ride is the nation's fastest growing wine podcast. 14 on the feed spot list of top 40 wine podcasts. So thank you. Thank you for being here and sharing the love. Okay. You ready for this today? We got Justin Smith and Saxum. I'm going to take you inside the private gate. We're going into the caves. We're going into the vineyards. We're going into the hookah lounge. Yep. All that. Justin has lifted Paso Wines street cred unthinkable amounts with his numerous uh, 98, 99, 100 point wines that are super hard to get. I mean, Saxum's wait list is years long. His wine has topped the most prestigious lists of top wines in the world and been hailed for its quality and expressions by literally every wine media or publication that matters. Best part, he's just a chill dude from Templeton. Now, in previous episodes, we've talked to many whose brands have benefited from that connection to Saxum, connection to Justin, his meticulously farmed grapes. But today, it's going to be interesting to hear Justin's story and who he has to thank for his opportunities and what he's been blessed with. The way this guy took the reins and did what he did for Paso, for his family's farm, his fruit, and more is a -a one-of-a-kind story, a story you're about to get right now. I show up to Saxum and the famed James Berry Vineyards. There is a sign on the gate with the Saxum logo. It says no tasting facilities and not open to the public. I could not wait to press in the gate code. And it's like Jurassic Park. Welcome to Jurassic Park. When the gates open in front of you, that voice in my head. Welcome to James Berry Vineyards home. Of Saxon. What? What too much? So cool. The facility is state of the art. The caves, the vessels, all of it. Check out my Insta. I've got pics there at Adam on the air. It's unreal. It's just a dream winery. I mean, he's got these vessels that were custom made by Sonoma Cast Stone that actually used stones from James Berry Vineyards to produce these vessels. So the grapes grow in the soil. And then the wine actually ages in vessels made of that soil too. Terroir on terroir. It's crazy. It's so cool. I show up and we set up in the hookah lounge. It's just before the big door that leads you into the cave, past the tanks and vessels, and eventually to this flat rock of a wall in the shape of like a setting sun, like a half circle. It's incredible. It's huge. It's so much taller than than you. It's literally rock. It's literally the inside of the mountain that we're underground in. It's incredibly humbling. And we are drinking an 05 James Berry Vineyards. And I don't see anything that could mess this day up. So give me that long sound. We'll get by. We pass on down till the job is Get out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Just 
chilling, chilling at Saxon. Oh, what is Sorry, up, my man. man? Good to see you. Good to see you. It's been a, it's been a little while. <laughs> it's been a long while. I mean, especially when you have like, you know, folks that you love, but you know, COVID has been like, you know, it's been a separator for yeah, whatever totally. reason. Like I haven't uh-huh. seen people. How has this whole situation, I can't imagine it's affected Saxon as a brand all that much, but what about you, your fam and, and the rest? Parents? Yeah, I mean, you definitely feel lonely because your, your social group totally shrinks down. You know, you got your, your pod and you see them often like, you know, your, your pod. Co- co-workers so or whatever. True. But yeah, just uh, last week, there's a little, little gathering, neighborhood gathering. It's like seeing good friends that you normally would see every couple of weeks, and it's like, God, I haven't seen you in a year. It's crazy. Did a part of you, a part of me kind of liked it, a part of me in a yeah, way, yeah, because sure. we're, I mean, I'm very social. I'm all about, you know, and I love hosting these events. I mean, what I do and how personal I am is part of what I do for a living. And I know, you know, you love your wine being appreciated far and wide and what you do for Paso. But a part of it was like, we get to like kind of hunker down for a minute. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I like that a lot for sure. You know, I'm already a bit of a hermit. So yeah. Like I got an excuse. I don't know. So yeah. Yeah, I'm just like <laughs> hanging out here in my cave. Did you, <laughs> did you see Eric Jensen try to copy your cave? <laughs> what'd you, what'd you think of his cave? I thought it was awesome. I went to, we did a show in there. Yeah. No, it came it's out really beautiful. cool. beautiful. It came out really cool. No, I'm just busting uh-huh. balls because he's so good at busting balls. But yeah, no, his cave turned out wonderful, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. No, before I came down here, my, my wife Heather, she's like, uh, okay, no dissing on Eric, okay? Oh, like, did she well, say that? <laughs> before you came to do the show? Yeah. Oh, oh, I love like, it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but when you saw the cave for the first time, did you did you give him a little shit? Did you like kind of bust his... I didn't need to. You know? yeah. He's already like, yeah, I totally ripped you off. <laughs> Or maybe he ripped off Stefan, who, you know. Well, because if you know what we're talking about here, um, it's there's that one half yeah, the circle. Rock, uh-huh. And it's really the most humbling thing you'll stand in front of. And the, I hadn't seen Stefan Aseo's Cave at Laventure before I saw yours. So yours was my first. And it's a humbling piece of earth to be in front of. Yeah. And especially when weather comes. I mean, it may seep a little water. Like, uh-huh. it, it's alive. Yeah, for sure. You and know? you're like in the middle of the mountain, kind of, which is cool. It's yeah. Like you're, you're totally underneath in the middle looking at like the heart of the hill and looking at what the what forms it which is which is super cool yeah now when you did yours you have this really cool industrial like awesome looking these like tubes these tubes that will hold all your library bottles yeah yeah and from afar you just kind of like take it in now eric's play on it was more like because you have this beautiful lounge that we're in now that's got the acoustics for music and chill vibes rugs everywhere he kind of wanted to almost combine the two mm-hmm. he made like the table and the chairs in by the rock right yeah, by the which rock which is cool which is cool you know it's I, different I, but it's cool yeah uh-huh. no I, I i like that I'm, I'm i'm about ready to move the uh, hookah lounge back there do you me. think so <laughs> have you thought did, did that make you think of it a little bit yeah for sure yeah uh-huh. <laughs> Again, like I didn't really feel like probably for the brand, Saxon probably had to make too many quote unquote and take a drink every time we heard the word pivot over the course of 2020. (laughs) But I mean, was it like business as usual for you for the most part or what? Yeah, it, it it definitely was. You know, since we didn't have a, a, a taste room, we didn't have the public interaction. Um, we didn't have to change any of that. Um, but obviously, you know, with the vineyard and the wine, all of that must go on. There's no like holding off on telling the grapes not to grow. So, yeah. you know, in in the field, we're we're doing the work that we've always done. Um, and then in the winery, we're doing doing everything the same as as always. But it's uh, you know just our our small crew 
Um, yeah, so it really hasn't hasn't changed a whole lot for for Saxon. It's it's the all the people with the taste rooms that really got got affected. How about your vintages? How was the 2020 vintage for Saxon? Well, 2020 vintage was a weird one, you know, with all that fire and stuff. Yeah. It started off so smooth and so awesome. You know, we got decent amount of rain and we had no frost and it kind of came out nice and even. And then all the bud break and flowering took place really evenly. And then the summer was really nice. And then everything caught on fire. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> August. And so, August. you know, luckily for us... The big fires weren't around here. Um, you know, most of California really got it worse than us. We'll knock on wood, mm-hmm. you know, that we weren't super affected by by smoke. Um, but still, it, it was pretty crazy. You know, we had that heat, so that we definitely lost some some fruit from that. And then we have the whole worry about, you know, what's that? Is that smoke going to come through in the wines? And luckily, it's pretty pretty minor. You know, there's a couple lots that, that we think we could detect it. Um, and, and smelling it, but it's like just like individual like lots. So I think overall the whole vintage is is gonna be pretty decent for us, which is nice. And not to get too geeky, but you notice this kind of what after fermentation when yeah when does, like when does it show itself? Like you can you can run tests and everything, and like and and know you know if if those precursors are in there. But really the bottom line is not until the wine is finished and complete, and you actually sit down with it in the glass and assess it yourself do you really know whether or not you were affected by is it? that the first time justin smith at saxon gets nervous oh. <laughs> like did you actually sweat dude, it out a little bit dude this is farming you know I, i'm nervous about everything yeah you know, we, we, we've had frost the last four out of the five nights here which is crazy end of may right now and uh we've been 30 degrees um four days in a row we've got, actually got you know a little bit of frost damage not not in our big vines but mm-hmm. on the baby vines that are close down low to the ground yeah and we've got frost burn which is which is crazy yeah you know so no everything makes me nervous when it comes to growing grapes what what is the frost protection i've seen people do fans yeah and, we got those big wind machines out there uh-huh. so yeah are there. you getting texts like you know yeah exactly in the I've middle got of the night a weather station and it calls me and you know and then it's like i gotta come out here and, and turn them on start them up and get them all running yeah which is fun to do at three in the morning well yeah <laughs> You're like, I'm not supposed to be up right now. And then I remember a few vintages back, May brought a lot of wind, which caused a lot of shatter. I don't know if it happened to you, but it happened in Paso yeah. here and there. Uh, we've had a windy few yeah, periods but, in May. But right now, <clears throat> we're not blooming yet. So, okay. so we're good, you know, because, yeah, it was pretty pretty windy last week. Um, but, yeah, uh, now uh, hopefully the weather calms down because we're just starting to see some bloom right now, especially in our Grenache, which is the first thing to bloom and also what shatters the worst from the wind. So we're starting to see that right now. So, yeah, hopefully the, the weather uh, is nice and even and mild for the next couple of weeks. Now, obviously, when Paso wine comes up in conversation, the name Saxum often does. When you talk about Paso wine as far as this podcast and some of the folks that we've had the pleasure of interviewing, from Eric Jensen and Booker, which was a great show, uh, Scott Holly, um, Chris Cherry, you know, some of your buds, and we had mm-hmm. Mark Adams mm-hmm. from Ledge last go-around. I'm hoping we just saw Donnie a little while ago. I'm hoping to get him on the podcast soon. Uh, your name comes up a lot. It's pretty well, cool. they're all my buddies. Right. You know? <laughs> and you guys were all kind of kicking it back in the day and, and feeling things out and and you know all kind of launched in the same you know kind of time yeah totally no yeah it was uh yeah, back in the late 90s, early 2000s is all kind of when we started doing our, our own brands. 
and uh it was a very small community back then it was it was it was fun you know because we're all yeah finding our own ways and figuring out what works and what doesn't work and we're all sharing sharing our ideas with each other did you know your way then were you a leader then or were you just trying to find your way as equally as they were and your farming practices just got honed in in a different way where were you when you were kind of like feeling yourself out? You know what well, I mean? Well, I had a little bit of head start, you know, since since I grew up in the in the grape uh, business, so to speak, and growing grapes. And then I've been making wine with my dad's, you know, since I was you know eleven years old. Um, so I, I had a head start on figuring out what worked here with our fruit, as far as growing it and making it into wine, um, but not on a you know larger scale because you know we we're making a couple barrels of wine. Yeah, you know, right. My dad and I. Um, so, but yeah, we, we had figured out kind of what worked a little bit. So we had something to, to start off on. For is sure. there knowing fruit or is there knowing your fruit? Like, yeah, obviously exactly. you could go through these roads, you know, what's up rocket block or how a weather is going to affect, you know, what rocket blocks about, or maybe this or that. But I mean, could you walk in to say, I mean, could you walk through the, the rows of, of bills G2 and, and feel that same onus of the situation? Yeah. I mean, knowing your fruit is so much better than, more intimate yeah than knowing fruit so yeah you know i'm very hands-on with all the vineyards we work from the ones that you know obviously that we own but yeah even the ones that we don't like g2 we lease the blocks so we have specific blocks that you know they feel like they're mine now so you know when i walk through even though it's like at g2 say um yeah i know those vines and i know how they react to you know the seasons and okay it hasn't rained much so we're going to be a little extra careful on you know giving them a little bit of early season you know water stuff like that you know but yeah definitely you gotta know them well you know and i'm very specific in all the fruit that we get is all in this little area right yeah here. So if, specializing if you, in yeah. if you put me in in somewhere else i would not know what the hell was going on <laughs> <laughs> specializing in grenache syrah mataro blends mm-hmm. here at saxon it's funny because i had a chance doing a podcast with top winery yeah and bill gibbs was just hanging out with stanley they were talking about the next year <laughs> and stuff and i got a chance to you know bring um, bill on the show oh, cool. with, with elena uh-huh and hearing him talk about the evolution of g2 and his relationship with you was really cool cool because you know i've known you for several years but to hear a guy who's who's literally the vineyard yeah got play and got gravitas because of you working with it yeah. i mean that's pretty that's that's pretty yeah. bomb it, it's cool and 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 you know i don't know if bill talked about it too that the reason he came here and bought into it was because you're going around sites with him well no from sax he was he was a consumer of saxum long before he he came into the area and so he knew our our heartstone vineyard right um just from drinking it you know as, as a as a consumer and then when that came up for sale you know we were like oh man we're gonna lose this vineyard someone's gonna buy it and who knows what they're gonna do with it and and bill found out and he's like hmm I, I like that wine. Maybe I'll give it a try and buy some land. And yeah, so we bought the little Heartstone Vineyard, which is only like seven and a half acres. And yeah. Kind of liked what he was doing there. And then then the G2 property came up for sale, which was right nearby. And, you know, he, he was like, ah, this is fun. I'm going to expand. And you were kind of like driving with him, like, like look, like, right? I mean, were you kind of yeah, scouting yeah, we, with him in a bit? Yeah, exactly. So uh, since... Since yeah, I told him yeah, if you find the right property, I'll you know I'll buy a good chunk from you. So um, yeah, I went with them to to look at the different properties. Uh, Sierra Lamborn, uh, Mark Adams' wife, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Estate, so she was driving us around looking at properties, and and we went to the the it was called Gravity Hills back then. Before what is Justin Smith? Are you looking for? 
south-facing hills, west-facing this, slopes of this, uh, soil of this. What are you looking for? Or do you feel it? Go like, that's what we need. Yeah, it, it's, it's a feel. Because, um, yeah, you want a mix of everything. And really, um, you know, I drive by, it's G2's right next to James Berry, so I've been driving by it every day of my life, you know, pretty yeah, much. And, uh-huh. and always looking at it. And when it used to be almond trees back when I was a kid, and, and I was like, oh, that makes some great grapes. And then, yeah, somebody <laughs> bought it, pulled out the almond trees, planted grapes, but it was, a, it was an apple winery. And I'm like, oh, damn, you know, it's all going to disappear. Right. But, you know, I was like, knew it could have great potential. And then, yeah, so when it finally came out for sale, I'm like, I, I, I know this is going to be a good producing site. Yeah. So that's really interesting because you recently, in the last couple of years, purchased some land in the, on the North Coast. It's out of Cayucas. Cayucas, they're like off Old Creek Road. Yeah. Exactly. And was it the same kind of thing? Like, did you step on this earth and were like, yes, this is what, this is it. Totally. Yeah. No, it's same, same idea as G2. It's, you know, when you're driving down Old Creek, pretty much everywhere I go, I'm looking at the ground. And Are going, you? Ooh, I wonder what I plant there. What would grow good there? So, For someone who doesn't know, Old Creek Road goes from the 46 to the 1, and it takes you from really West Paso to the very south end of Cayucas, northernmost Morro Bay-ish. Yeah, to and the beach. To uh-huh. me, to the beach. And to me, it's one of the most picturesque drives, yeah. 18 minutes you can do in Be- a car. Beautiful, beautiful road. This is where we're talking about. So obviously very different climate than what you're used to here. Yeah, but yeah, same thing. When it, Whenever I drive it and I'd look up and see those hills and, and think, oh, there's some cool potential. You know, it's definitely different. You know, it's more coastal. It's it's looking at the ocean, you know, so it gets a more cooling breeze. But it's got the same soil we have here at Janesbury Vineyard and G2. It's got this rocky calcareous stuff. So as the road is snaking down through those, making those cuts in the, in the hillside, and you can see the exposed rock and you're Mm. like that's just like what we have but it's way closer to the ocean so I've always kind of had my eye on what it might be like because it's I think the potential is there but yeah, you know, hasn't really been realized. How close were to the ocean? Uh, four and a half miles. Are we are, are we thinking like like cool temperature Syrah? Yeah, yeah. Ooh. So I put Syrah all. I put it put in eleven acres. Um, it'll be producing this year um, wow. of all Syrah. It's really windy up there, so I knew Grenache. Even if Grenache could ripen, it probably wouldn't set yeah. because of that wind. Um, so I, I think uh, Syrah is a, is a pretty good bet. Because Syrah is pretty resilient in the in the vineyard yeah, and in the cellar, right? Yeah, exactly. It sets pretty well even if there's wind, and 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 it's got a shorter growing season, so it does ripen in a in a in a cooler uh, environment. Um, so yeah, hopefully hopefully it. Uh, when you're that close to the ocean and that good of a winemaker, do you ever think of Pinot? Yeah, but you know, for me, I don't think I'd make a Pinot that. I would like. <laughs> Why not? What, what kind of Pinot you do you know, like? Um, you know, I think I think uh, it's it's a pretty you know rocky, abusive area, and I think it'd be too much stress on a Pinot. I think it would probably make a a, a big you know gnarly Pinot, which for me I usually grab a Pinot because I'm looking for something you know more subtle and elegant and light. I'm um, with you on Pinot. So that, yeah, yeah, for me, yeah, I love I love Santa Rita, I love Oregon Pinots, I love you know Burgundy, but I don't think I would be able to grow that type of thing. Here. What's cool because you're seeing what brands like Epic is now coming online with their York Mountain and that kind of cooler climate yeah. Syrah. I'm thinking of Nicole from <laughs> Stolo and what she's doing with that. Yeah. I mean, she's love that hit, Syrah. Oh, she's hitting huge with that cool yeah. climate Syrah. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I, I love that one. And you know that, I mean, she's even cooler. 
um, you know, even closer yeah. to Cambria and lower down. Right. You know, so if she can get what she can, you know, they they did definitely struggle struggle to ripen there, but that's what makes it so cool too. Mm-hmm. But so we're we're going to be, I think, a little warmer than that. So a little, I think, uh, more Saxon style. Um, but yeah, if 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 they can do Syrah, I think we can do Syrah. One of the coolest things I've been. I've been able to see when I came here was one time you showed me like a little card and it's a card that Pebbles, your dad, used to give out to folks. Yeah. And it was almost like a business card that it kind was, of explained uh-huh. exactly. what you're about. Yeah. And like, hey, we got some grapes. You want uh-huh. to <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> you probably still got it up on that shelf. Yeah, I still do. Uh-huh. I mean, this place, so for a long time, your dad and your family growing grapes here saying, hey, Paso is this region. Look, we, we got some good fruit here. When did he start kind of, you said about 11, was he like kind of grooming you? Like, hey you want you want to try this or when did you kind of get that bite of that interest or were these just chores at 11 a.m when you're learning farming or what yeah, yeah 11 that, years old let's say that definitely i mean yeah chores is what they seemed then you know because it was just my folks and myself and you know uh, usually an uncle or two that did all the work on the whole vineyard and you know they had 32 acres planted and my dad and my uncle you know pretty much drove every stake and planted every plant and the whole whole thing and it was up to to us to do all the pruning you know so yeah growing up it was definitely a chore um and it was a lot of work and you know uh, going away to college i was like uh i mean i'm ready for something else you know that was that was a lot of work i don't know if i want to be a farmer all my life but just kind of removing myself for from a little bit and and realizing how cool it actually is where'd you go to school cal poly I okay mean, cool i didn't remove myself that far but yeah cal poly right over the hill and you know but even then all my friends would come work here for you know summer vacations or christmas vacations or whatever and so i i'd, I'd bring up all my my roommates and whatnot and we would work in the vineyard and they're all like wow this is super cool <laughs> like yeah, right. it, it actually is pretty cool huh so yeah after college you know came back here and started hanging out were you kind of was your dad always kind of like look, my dad knows cars my dad knows certain things and i can see him always trying to implant little things in me even if he doesn't think i'm interested like you know you should this is why you have this hose and blah, blah, blah. you know was he always trying to do that or was there a time where maybe something clicked with you and you maybe started asking your dad a lot of questions or i think i'm not sure when that moment happened you know he definitely I'm sure was doing it without me being aware of it. You know, now looking back on it, it's like, yeah, lessons were being taught all the time for sure without me really realizing it. But I think it was not until we started, like, we would taste with, like, other people outside, like, like say, John Alban would come into our cellar and and taste the two barrels of wine that, that my dad had made, and they would be, like, super impressed. They're like, wow, you guys are making this here? And I think that was seeing people like that be excited about what we were doing was what really made things start to click is like, wow, what we are doing is must be kind of cool. If, if you must like know that you are obviously so. very good at what you do, but how much do you in your own head, in your own heart, attribute it to the acumen of, of winemaking, the acumen of maybe artistic, just, you know, expression, and then having great fruit and being able to farm great fruit. Yeah, I mean, it's a combination of all those. I mean, definitely, I think from the standpoint of being first and foremost grape growers, I think that was huge in that, you know, it definitely you need incredible fruit to make incredible wine. There's no no circumventing that. You know, if you don't have the perfect fruit, you can't make anything 
Yeah. Um, so coming from that background, I think that was a big part of it. And, and, and my dad definitely is very, um, you know, try everything. He's super experimental. Um, still, still is, you know, so it's like he, he's tried everything in the vineyard and everything in the winery. And so I, I kind of got that, um, ability to push yourself, you know, because we were in an area that we didn't have our, a neighbor to look at and see like, Oh, what do you, what are you doing? You know, like, I'd like to do it like that. It was like, we need to figure it out ourselves. I just had my dad out here visiting. It was really fun to have him out here. And then you're analyzing like how close we were here in this part of my life and how yeah. close we are now. And it's a, it's a fun evolution to see. And I love my dad very much. But when were some of those times where you noticed, like you felt he was really proud of you? I mean, because you have had so many really cool moments that you've taken this torch and turned this property into something uh, even beyond, which is isn't that what all fathers probably designed to do? I mean, I don't have yeah, any yeah. kids, but if I have one, I would want them to even do better than I did. And totally. I'm sure you, you, know, yeah. you have a son, the same thing. Yeah, yeah, no, is it, yeah, it's for sure. You know that they they took it, they took it to this point, and I could not do what I've done without them taking it that far. You know, it's like so, you know, with standing on the shoulders of giants, kind of a thing. You know, you gotta. But when did you start seeing? I mean, these moments of. I mean, was it your first? your first 100-point wine or the idea of maybe it was building this cave or certain times when you noticed that he was really proud of what you have taken this and turned it into? I mean, definitely, you know, I, I get I get my father's emotions filtered through my mother, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't talk much about it, right, but right. she'll be like, oh, yeah, he was really proud of you yeah. about that. I'm like, oh, really? I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you recently had, I was part of two auctions with Paso Wine. Mm-hmm. They had an auction recently, and then I just hosted the Hospice de Rhone auction. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Did you see what your wine went for? At the yeah. either one of them, uh-huh. that's nuts. Yeah, it's super. It's super cool. I mean, when you see something like that, and you put out a, a new release, a portfolio of all your new releases, and you got you know your I think your nine different cuvées and a couple magnums in there, and each one went for seven k north of. Yeah, like, I know. You're almost like yeah, six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred bucks a bottle. It's like what? <laughs> well, it's chair. It's you know, it's charity. It's an option, of course, but, but I mean, yeah. it's got to feel real. I mean, oh, it's got to awesome. feel. For sure. It's, awesome. It feels it feels so cool to be able to yeah. To to make something, you know, that you grow and make it with your own hands and then and then have people appreciate it like that. It's like yeah, it's it's huge. I love it. When you get that first one hundred point wine or and maybe it wasn't even the 100 point wine. Maybe it was just good press in uh, the Advocate or here or there or wherever it was. Do things change night and day for a brand when great press comes after great wines? E- e- yeah, they they especially back then. Yeah, um, you know I think nowadays there are so many um, different avenues for getting publicity that there isn't like the power of the single Robert Parker that there was when we you know first kind of came on the scene when when Robert Parker gave us um, you know a hundred points it was like everybody took notice you know is it like phones ringing emails full yeah exactly and then do you start having conversations with heather and the team like okay well do we ramp up production do we like how do you how do you field that kind of initial success like i mean the thing it's it's so such a slow growth in this business we're like especially how we do it we're like okay so we're selling everything out so we want to increase production so we need to find some land and plant it to grapes and grow the grapes up for four years and then and then put them in the barrel for two years and then sell it so you're like seven eight years out from when you decide you want to grow it to actually when you're selling that increased stuff so it's it's very slow Um, are you good at that kind of thinking because i would not be 
Um, well, you know, being that, yeah, I mean, I love the development of the van. Yeah. And so I love being able to, yeah, have the vehicle of, I, I know if I plant this and it comes out really good, I'll be able to sell it. You're sure. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's super, super cool. Um, and, and being that, you know, we're dealing with such, such great sites and such great vineyards, we know it's kind of going to be a slam dunk from the get go, but still, yeah, it's, it's super, super slow growth. What's the, the way it messes with your mind as far, this is a weird question, but I thought of this when I was eating dinner last night. What's the mind fuck that 100 points gets you? Like, is there a bad side to making a perfect wine? Is it, is it the demon that's like, oh, we got to repeat well, this? Yeah, or is, are there that, things, you know but, what I mean? Like, are, but I mean, the biggest thing is you got to re, you got to look at it that you, you didn't make a perfect wine. I mean, that doesn't really exist in itself. You, you made a wine that, this person, when they popped that cork on that one bottle, they deemed it as good as it can get. And so, like, it's not like this is a, a wine that it's, it's perfect and you can duplicate or whatnot. It's like the conditions were there. It all worked out. So, I, I mean, obviously, you're like, well, geez, and, you know, the bar is set. I got to I gotta keep Kind of like a singer putting this. out a number one hit song. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, I want to keep the hits coming. And then and then you, like like a singer, you totally, what we did, we we changed our style a lot. Of, you know, we keep changing every year. I mean, by the time the, the 100.07 came out, we had already started tweaking. You know, every year we're tweaking things. So we're like, man, we... We gotta rewind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but are, or do you want to like think that you're going forward and what you're doing is even better? And then, you know that that right that was that was the a great vintage. You know, which is one thing. It's not just what you did. It's like the, what the year gave you. So that, and, and then you nailed what the vintage gave you in that one year. It's like and every year you're getting a different different vintage. So how do you treat it and make a, a wine that's good? It's always going to be different though. It's, it's a crazy thing. You're never going to be able to duplicate yeah. what you did in that one single season. For someone who seems so like chill and um, easygoing, and I don't know, I mean, I only know you so much, but like, what were some of like the what were some of like the things that you did right when things started changing? Like, was there like a cool purchase you made? I mean, was there like like did you buy a dope car? Did you like you and Heather go on like a dope uh, vacation? Like, was there one kind of thing like no, we're gonna go? Do oh this. yeah, we're celebrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, we probably brought it, bought a new tractor. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean the 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 awesome part is, yeah, it's allowed us to to purchase more acreage, which is which is you know, my my indulgence. You know, it's like I, I don't have uh, aspirations for a huge mansion on the beach or something. It's like uh, if I get some money in the bank, I want to buy another piece of property and develop it and see yeah. what kind of grapes they're going to give me. So yeah, we've actually just bought a, a third property. Really? Yeah, up in York Mountain. Um, really? Yeah, it's it's called the V two Ranch, and uh, it's an old cattle ranch, two hundred and eighty acres. But it's like way up on the top. It's like about two thousand foot elevation on the uh, York in the York AVA, um, and it's it's got some really cool calcareous soils like we have here. But it also has a big chunk of decomposed sandstone which i'm super excited about okay you know, something a little different you know so it's up there high elevation it gets lots of rain but it's got the sandstone formation is underneath super our shale yeah so, yeah it turns into sand and and rocks of sandstone so it's the formation that's under our shale formation but since it's the it's pushed way up out of it and actually pushed through the shale and come to the surface way up there on that high elevation where there's all these crazy, you know, fractures and faults. And so it's got these fields that are just, yeah, sandy fields on top of a mountain, which is crazy. What so, do you want to plant there? I don't know. 
Really? Yet? You don't know yet? Because you think of like, obviously, you know, Epic and Jordan's got some wines out there. I think Russell Frome's got some yeah, wines out right, there. Yeah, he's right next door. He's really? Place. Yeah. Yeah, what is he planning on? The probably Grenache. He's and, got a little bit of everything over there. Yeah, yeah he's, he's got cabs, raw. Uh-huh. So did this property just become available and you're like, yeah, I'm in? Or same, what? same thing. You know, it, you can actually see the hilltop from, from right here. And so, you know, really? I'm looking at it all the time and seeing that hilltop up there. And, and same thing as the other properties and being like, oh, what would it be like? Oh, great. Like I mean, because that. that's miles away from here. Yeah, it, but it's actually only about a mile and a half. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. If you're, yeah. As yeah. the crow flies. I mean, oh, okay, cool. 20 sure. minutes to drive yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. going through all those little windy <laughs> canyons, you know? But yeah, if you were to, you could fly a drone over there from here and yeah. take okay. a picture of it. Maybe we'll have to do that. <laughs> so, and, and you don't know what you want to put up there yet? No, I mean, I think I, I love Grenache and sandy soils. Mm. Um, so I'm excited to do some of that. And same with, you know, Syrah in, in on those light soils, too, makes really cool stuff. Um, you know, I think in it's, it's an interesting climate up there that it's, a, it's not necessarily cooler than in here at James Berry, but it's milder. So they have, you know, it's not as cold at night, but it's not as hot during the day. So right. it's, it's, you know, almost the same kind of, I think, growing degree days as we have here at Janesbury, but it's not as neither as the high highs or the low lows. So I think you can pro- we can probably grow anything we want to grow over there. But there's also a wind, um, you know. Yeah, because you're up there. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's not, uh, there's probably only 15 acres plantable on this whole big 208 acre Peas. What do you do with the rest of it? Um, it's all Burning Man. You, or like it's, yeah, it's 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 all you know. It's got cool forests. Yeah, really steep on some parts. So it's like we'll you know it's been just cattle. So it's we'll I don't know what we'll do. If we'll have a couple, yeah. a couple head of cows. So when did you make this purchase? Um, just a couple months ago. Oh, cool. So we're like I mean, yeah, it's 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 just the beginning of it. So it's yeah, just a baby. We're, we're, maybe maybe we'll get some plants in the ground next year. Wow. That's going to be really exciting. I know because what a lot of people don't know is uh, York Mountain is technically its own AVA. Yeah, it was it was uh, older than Paso. It was, wow. it was it was it was it was around before Paso was around. You know that was you know the, the original York Mountain that that Epic has was. You know, well, it's getting me thinking. Like with with names like you know Epic Estate Wines and Jordan Fiorentini, Russell Frome, Herman Story, now Justin Smith and Saxon. We got Anthony Yoon. Anthony Yoon, uh, of course, right Six Mile Bridge. Or, no, he's got his Royal Nonsuch shop. Oh, his home estate is is right is right next to us too. Oh, the stuff he does on his own. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. which is really cool stuff. Royal Nunsuch, if you haven't haven't seen that. Yeah, I haven't cool tasted it yet, but I heard, it's, tasty. I heard it's, it's bomb. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, everyone's everyone's doing good stuff up there. York Mountain's like, yeah. It's, how, it's fine fun it, how fine it is this place? Is there a lot more left? Uh, no, there's not. I mean, it's very steep and very mountainous, so there's not much plantable spots on it so it's uh yeah there's not a lot left but i think yeah everything that's gonna be coming from there is gonna be pretty cool wow like four or five years from now when this starts i mean was that about when you're thinking four or five years we'll get the first fruit and then yeah two more years two more years well yeah (laughs) so yeah you're like i wait around about seven more years right Right, yeah (laughs) then we'll know okay you gotta be a patient person to get into this business patient and i don't know it's like yeah and you're it's such a long gamble you know that you're like i planted this we put we put all the money into it a while ago, and, and you planted it, and you've been taking care of the vines for these so many years, and you still don't even know if it's going to be good or not. Yeah. It's like, like, we planted about 11 acres on, on the old creek, and yeah. there's more plantable, but it's like, we want to get some fruit off of there. <laughs> Make sure it's good before sure. we invest more into that. What are you, uh, what are you calling that vineyard, the one in Old Creek? Uh, I don't name know. name it? Yeah, we don't really have a name. Old Creek Ridge, Cayucas Ridge, not yeah. really sure. Um, yeah, it might be, I don't know, Cayucas Ridge. Nothing, That's kind of cool. Nothing is really completely stuck yet. I yeah. 
Do you know what you want to call the York Mountain thing? Like what your vineyard? You well, historically, it? it was it was the V2 Ranch. Uh-huh. And then there's a super cool story behind that. So um, it was, uh, it was you know, purchased, I think, in the 20s by a fairly wealthy family from, from back east. Um, and then uh, they had it as a cattle ranch. One of uh, the, the rich uncle's nieces was a pilot um, in Amelia Earhart's group, the, the 99s. And so she was recruited in England pre, well, in the beginning of World War II to ferry fighter planes from where they're being produced in England to the front lines. So she was flying um, Spitfires in England um, in, in the beginning of World War II and flew airplanes throughout World War II and fell in love. Her, na- her name was Virginia Farr. She fell in love with her co-worker, uh, another lady, who was named Victoria, I think, so after the war, they moved back to their uncle's ranch here in, in York Mountain, and that was the V2, Victoria and Virginia. And uh, no so, so they took care of it for the for 60-some years. Um, the uncle, you know, gave them, gave them the whole place. Yeah. And so, so they were like, you know, they, were, they, were, they raised corgis up there and, and had oh, cattle. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Those so are the, the Golden Girls up there yeah, just exactly. doing their thing. So, That's yeah. so awesome. So, what a so, cool story. I love, I love the V2 moniker, uh, and it's, very, it's super confusing because we had this vineyard called G2. I know. Bill, Is Bill like, Gibbs going to call you and be like, don't so even do got, it, Justin. We got G2 and G2. We got, we got so many confusing names at Saxon. So I, I think it's already, we're just going to continue with our confusing names. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of cool because I remember one thing, one of the first shows I did with you, and you, you've, you're in a comfortable spot where you can have like your kids draw the labels for your wines yeah, yeah. and, and it's, it's all good. You know, I mean, have you ever had to, you know, painstakingly go through these things in your head like a lot of brands do thinking of all the different little marketing things have you ever had to worry about what our label's going to look like if it's going to pop what colors we're using or, that's, or just- yeah that's one of the pleasures or benefits of, of us and selling direct to consumers that haven't seen our labels yeah. <laughs> we don't need to worry about shelf presence you know so much of like you want if you're on a shelf with a bunch of other wines you want it to pop so the consumer sees it and pulls it out we don't have to have to deal with that, you know, because they're they're buying it kind of sight unseen. And yeah, I kind of think of like Cynic went on. Yeah, exactly. So he he got lots of liberty to kind of do what you want and have fun with it, which is which is cool. So yeah, we have we change labels all the time, and they're they're pretty pretty weird and strange and kooky. But uh, yeah, we have, we have a lot of fun with it. We're drinking a James Berry Vineyard 2005. This is a dusty bottle from Saxon. Got the cave dust on it. Yeah, this is really got exciting. Some crust on the side there too, inside it. You know, uh huh some sediment how often do you get a chance to pop open these old ones and, and how i mean like this is such a, a pleasure to, to be able what a privilege to, to have yeah this. it's not too often you know we don't have a huge supply in our library but we got a few um so like there's maybe like 15 16 bottles of this left but, wow but we had uh, we had some some uh, old family friends come by today so we we popped a bottle to see. Put my fingers in my ears. Blah blah blah. You opened this for me, Justin. <laughs> no, blah, 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 sorry, blah, blah. sorry. I opened it for you because <laughs> you're so special. <laughs> 
that's really cool. So this. you have like family friends come visiting. I'm like, hey, I'm going to show them what's up. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was an old friend. His folks were in the area. So oh, that's so neat. I, I open it though, knowing that you would be coming later, <laughs> and I get to share it with you too. So, but when you taste this, you must be just like yippy kicking. Right? I, I like it because yeah, it's 05, so it's got some years on it, and it's still great. You know, it's like yeah, when we made these wines in 05, it's like we'd only been making wines for. This is our fifth vintage. Um, you know, and so people were like, oh, these wines, they taste so good when they're young. Yeah. They're not going to last. They're gonna, right. You know, you can, maybe five years and they're going to fall apart. Right. And they're so big and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool. You had to open one that's 16 years old and it's still fresh as a daisy and showing really well. And it's still got nice structure and it's not anywhere going over the hills. So no, not at all. Structure's great. The fruit is great. It feels round. Yeah. And, and the tannins have fallen away. And then you start to get the kind of the well, floral. Interesting. Yeah. Secondary notes there yeah oh. more perfumey and you know stuff that like only age can do which is such the the fun thing about wine is that you get to yeah, appreciate them when they're young and fresh and full of fruit and then yeah lay them down for whatever and they totally change and it's something different and it's it's nice because the consumer gets to be part of it you know it's yeah. like i you know a consumer is saying like i aged that for the 10 years and you know it tastes that way because of what i've been doing not yeah. just from and i didn't kill it i didn't put it in the like, trunk of the car i didn't <laughs> yeah, do anything exactly i'm taking yeah. care of this yeah. baby do you ever have do you go back to wines like this like here's an 05 and do you have like a composition book and like you could look at some of your notes from 05 to see yeah, what you did yeah. so what it is uh-huh. you know, i mean how do you do that yeah, that's you- the fun part is is yeah going back and like you know i can still remember most most stuff from that like back then we what do you making- remember about 05 then 05 was a super wet year. It yeah. was one of the El Ninos. Um, you know, it had come off of uh, a big drought, you know, um, one, two, three, four, super hot and dry. Kind of like an 11. Yeah. And, 05 was like 11? Uh, no, bit? but it was a lot wetter. Even wetter. Uh-huh, yeah. Wow. So, so lots of rain, but it was also cool at the same time, like mm-hmm. 11. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, big crop. Um, more more crop than we anticipated, and so actually the one of the interesting things about this wine was that the the crop was so big that this was like the last thing we picked, and it was in tank, and we ran out of barrels, and so I had to order up some more barrels, and so I called up my buddy at Francois Frere, and I said, you know, I've I've got this one last tank of of Syrah, it's going to be about twelve barrels, and I'm totally out. Can you send me some barrels? And he's like. Yeah, but it's going to be five weeks before they get there. I'm like, okay. So I like I left it in tank a lot longer than normal, a longer maceration. You know, normally oh. I was doing like three weeks, four weeks. Uh-huh. And I was like, I had to do this one six weeks, and but. I'm super stoked how it came out. So we actually went in for a while. We were doing these longer macerations where we're like, well, that was super cool. So, but on the other side, it did take a while to open up, you know, so this was a more tannic wine when it was younger because of that extra long maceration. So it's showing really good right now, but it was more. So like an eight, nine, 2010, this might not have had the, the, this, it the, was, uh. it was, yeah, it was definitely a, a more muscular wine back then. And the fact that, yeah, it went into 100% new wood because <laughs> I didn't have any used barrels left. Right. Um, but it, it totally ate it up and held it really well. So, I mean, just those, like, kind of, they were both serendipitous kind of mistakes or, you know, just how it had to be. The longer maceration, yeah. the 100% new wood, and it all worked out. So, yeah, we learned a couple cool things from this wine, like, not really totally 
meaning to learn them, but yeah. right, what a trip! Cool. When you talk about maybe getting new fruit and bringing new stuff online, you know, people wait years to get you know into your wine club and to get on your list and your allocation list. Does this mean that people listening can go, oh, maybe there's going to be some more room? For people to, to, I mean, does production ramp up? Like, if we're adding more vineyards or how? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we've we've slowly we slowly ramped it up when we built the new place here. You know, our old facility where we made this one, the O five, like nine hundred square feet. Yeah, yeah. It was a teeny little spot, and so we we were pretty maxed out at about three four thousand cases. Yeah. Um. So when we built this spot down here, you know, now we got way more space. Um, and so we, we've been slowly, as the new vineyards have come online, like G2 or whatnot, we've been able to increase our production and bring new people on, on from the wait list. Um, so we got it up to about, we're doing about, about seven to 9,000 cases now. Um, and the 19s was, was a pretty big vintage. And yeah, that was, that was on the nine side. But we actually realized that we're, we're a little more happier doing that seven to eight, just with the you know amount of space we have and being able to do exactly how we want to do it so we're we're kind of targeting that seven eight but it's still that the the 19s are what we're about to bottle and so when we do release that it'll be a little more than than we've been doing so yeah we'll be able to bring some more people on it's pretty cool yeah which is good yeah we've had some people waiting for a while that are chomping at the bit (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy that is so cool though i love how you have evolved a couple years ago you released your first white yeah the jamesbury white which just and i knew it because i remember i think i was here at harvest right when you brought that fruit in and then came back you know several months later or a year later and it's in barrel and da, 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 da. then you tasted it and then one time you were so cool you thiefed all of the individual barrels to make the blend for me yeah yeah and i was just so excited because i was just then getting into white wine so much mm-hmm. and now white's like my jam i love reds of course but <laughs> white wine's my jam and um when you released that James Berry White, I mean, what a beautiful wine. How have you been happy with that evolution and that release and that kind of new addition to the portfolio? Yeah, it's fun. It was, uh, I've, you know, I drink like, like, like you're talking about, I drink a lot of whites and, uh, but we haven't made any and, and mainly we didn't have the, the means to make it in our old facility. So now that we've got the new place, you know, we were able to, to, to look at being able to do some, um, you know, definitely it's, you know, a sidebar, um, you know, Saxon is about, you know, these, these reds. Um, but I wanted to kind of prove that we could do a good white here too. What uh, about that? Why did you want to prove that? I don't know. I got, I got a chip on my shoulder. I always do, you know, mm-hmm. uh, one of the you know reasons I think Saxon is what it is, is because I wanted to prove that, that James Berry, that past Robles could, could be on the, on the world stage. Cause you know, I got a chip on my shoulder from being, Growing up with El Paso, you know, I think sure it, it can make good cheap wine, but can't make good good wine. Well, because I know yeah. your dad was friends with um, Fetzer, yeah, and I know Jake Fetzer, yeah, and he speaks so highly of you, and especially of your family because he knows them so well. And I know when he comes through town, he likes to visit you guys and your mom and dad and yeah. stuff. But yeah, I, ma- I imagine with you know someone like your dad who was talking to all these dudes all over the state who were mm-hmm. making great wines at a time when Paso what when your dad was still giving out that card. Yeah, it wasn't the Paso and like the allure no, certainly yeah. of this property I mean, that it Fet- is. Fet- Fetzer, you know, kind of saved us and that they, Bobby Fetzer saw the potential around here um, and yeah, started purchasing fruit from my dad and then, and then hired my dad to, to be the Fetzer's uh, grower relation. So yeah, my dad got to go. Is that down. right? Yeah. So he, oh, he, no he oversaw saw all of the vineyards that they pulled from on the, on the central coast to go into Fetzer. And yeah, they were before Fetzer got, um, you know, they sold to, to Brown Foreman originally before they did that. They were, 
they're hugely invested in the Paso Robles region. And that's one thing that you saw with industry folks back in the day, whether it was like Rosenblum or mm. like some of these people from outside of Paso. Yeah, they, they realized. They've the known Paso's yeah. been yeah. a thing for a while. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, for sure. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's nice. Keep keep it here. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, to do something that was strictly focused. So, what's on the that. next chip on your shoulder? Are we, are we going to make a sparkling, <laughs> well, or what? Are no, we gonna- <laughs> I mean, I think those two properties that we just bought. Yeah, that's, like, that's it. Yeah, going into the. I mean, the York Mountain's kind of a you know for sure, but sand, yeah. uh, the sandstone up there is kind of an, a, a new thing for me. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I haven't I haven't worked at all with a, a sandy uh, terroir. So that's that's my next thing to do, and then the, then the coastal property. You know, the do you are, do you have conversations with people who have sandy terroirs? Do you call up other folks and be like, "Hey, what what do you what do you expect up here?" Like, do you reach out in that way, or what are those conversations? Yeah, for sure. You know, you you got to do your research, and and the the sandy soil is you know it's it's all over the world, but it's it's definitely completely unique. Wine, you know, it's so different than these clay calcareous soils and its lightness. What would it be like? Like like Santa Maria bench stuff, or like would it be like? What you would know, you compare it to? It's it's hard to compare. There's, um, you know, for me and, and my uh, perfect sandy Grenache is this wine called Reyas in Chateauneuf. That mm. it's this little teeny producer that it's grown on this pure sand and it makes a really light grenache but at the same time it's just beautiful and rich and aromatic and perfumey but at the same time it's you know light on its feet and light in color and it's you know different than the neighbors that are on the the cobblestone and the clay all around it it's it's completely different and but it's this 100 percent sand and yeah I, I love that wine i know i'm not gonna be able to replicate it but just you know to have that kind in of, your own way express yeah, exactly. in your own way the, the the york mountain version of that for sure do you desire to do a single bottle grenache with well, that um if it's worthy we'll see yeah because we, the portfolio doesn't have any single varietals right now does it now everything's got a little bit of something something in it yeah so yeah, who knows? Because yeah, the sand the sandy expressions are often like yeah a standalone expression. Of do you ever make wine for yourself that you don't release? Like, have you ever just made like a cab just I, to do it, or yeah. just made like a Grenache to do it? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I made this really cool hundred percent Mervedra from our old vines, and it did hundred percent whole cluster on it, and you know it was like low alcohol, cool. but like super spicy, and just did it you know all like sans without sulfur and bottled you know the the two barrels that we did were so cool we're like we can't put this in the blend like we would normally you know it would go in the blend and be a component of james berry but it was like these two barrels are so cool let's just bottle them for ourselves for fun and uh and drink them ourselves and so yeah we did that and and then it got brett and (laughs) oh did it (laughs) (laughs) went off and bottle you know this damn low alcohol wines and brett but But yeah do you you keep it around because there was mca had a story in the last episode where he was uh, i think it was a syrah or something that he was messing with and it got a little brett but after a while obviously you don't want that but yeah i mean it it was for me it it was too much i think if it's a little Mm -hmm. bit and it kind of contains itself but these ones they they bloomed they blew up Some people loved it. Like, oh wow, this is so Chateauneuf-y. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. You can. Little, how many cases do you want? You yeah, yeah. It. <laughs> it's a little Chateauneuf-y. <laughs> so then, the, the 2016 James Berry. I mean, you're no, you know, 
you're no stranger to like the great scores and great accolades and great press. Um, 2016, James Barry. I think Jeb Dunnick gave you a hundred on that one, right? That's gotta be cool to have people because I just, you know, was working with him with the Hospice to Rhone thing and to have someone who's so deep into the Rhones from a world stage and just feel this brand and feel Paso yeah. so much. That's gotta be really cool. Yeah, that's why, yeah, we love we love Jeb Dunnick just because he was so specialized, you know, before he was, you know, got big yeah he he was just kind of a wine geek that was super into chateau neuf and and pretty much did you know just his, his Rome report just almost right for himself you know where he just would go and taste as many chateau neufs as he could and kind of write about it and and then yeah just yeah started that way which was so he he was like you know he's our guy because that's the type of wine that that we're making here yeah and that chateau you like to drink yeah, yeah. Like what's so interesting is what he's kind of done for himself and etched out into this business almost like a cult version of what you're doing but for a writer and a reviewer because i mean like that same hospice around thing like just to, to taste with him when for thousand you know seven thousand bucks you know i mean just like just to get into his head i mean i, I think it'd be fun i mean you've probably done it before sat across from him and to like see how he tastes um it's got to be pretty interesting yeah for sure no those guys i i the professional guys like him I, it's amazing how how they could do it because it's uh you got to train your palate yeah because they're not they have nothing to do with what you do like producing it growing it getting it there but their ability to dissect it when it's all done yeah yeah. is really fascinating Uh to me it's uh kind of like whoa yeah, they're tasting the the final finished product. You know that's that's there before them, and they and they are able to put it put it in their in their glass in their mouth and be able to kind of like compare it against every you know thousands yeah. of wine that they've already tasted and be able to to go okay it's, it's similar to this I think it'll age out like that and like yeah and some sums kind of do it in a douchey way one of the greatest compliments you ever gave me was because you probably talked to and crossed paths with a lot of different uh, fans that are psalms that love your wine and I think you said something to me to the effect of I remember when you said it like you literally like made my day you like touched my heart <laughs> but you're like the way you've done this and you were talking about the show and my radio and just the relationships that I've built was like you really like you like dove in you did it you you didn't just like da 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 like spent time into it. You cared about it, and I don't know. I mean, that I don't know. To me, that was like, especially coming from you, that was like a, a really meaningful compliment. Well, yeah, no, it's huge. It's been fun watching watching your progression along the way. Because yeah, I mean, when you when you guys first jumped into it, you you hardly knew anything, and now yeah, well, I, mean, I still don't know. Anything. Now, uh, come on, you you know more than than most now. I mean, you you've been in deep for all this time and interviewing so many people and talking to so many winemakers. It's like you've got more knowledge now than than ninety nine percent of the people out there. It's cool to see where Passos come, isn't it? Yeah, it's super cool. I mean, do you... And I was kind of thinking of this, like, I think of what you would imagine is the most rewarding part of all this. Like, I think of you right before you shut the last lights off, before you head up the hill back to the house, mm-hmm. and, and you look back at all this, and um, the people you've lifted up in the game, uh, the way you've lifted Paso up, the way, you know, like we talked about earlier, like your parents must feel about what you've done. I mean, what are some of those feelings of just like, again, that last moment before you shut the lights down on what you've built here? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, does it ever hit you? Does it ever like? I totally, all the time. I'm super stoked. You know, I'm grateful. It's a, uh, it's an amazing spot. I feel like I'm getting choked up right now. Yeah. <laughs> and just to do, you know, what I love doing, you know, and, and to be appreciated for it, yeah. it is, it's, it's, yeah, you know, it's a dream come true. It's like I get to do, 
you know, no matter what, like if I was making money or not, this is exactly what I'd want to be doing. What a blessing. Um, and the fact that I get to do it and, and, and sell it and have people stoked on it and be able to, you know, make my dream winery and buy my dream properties and, you know, and keep doing it. It's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm super stoked. I feel, I feel more fortunate, you know, like I've won the lottery, you know, it's, it's super cool. It's, it's really rewarding to see this happening and to know, yeah, it's not, it's not a fluke, you know, the, right, yeah. the passive potential is, is here. Um, you know, there's, there's tons of potential. There's tons of great wineries now doing really good stuff. It's been cool to see happen along the way. And it was, you know, it was great that we were there at the beginning and were able to, to help a lot of people out and, and point them in the right direction and, and get, you know, this whole group mass uh, all, all doing some really good stuff. I know you're kind of hermity. Do you ever get out anywhere? You go to like LPC or you, <laughs> have you checked out downtown or what's uh, going on? Yeah, or what? yeah, yeah. We, we drive, we drive, we drive through, you know. <laughs> no, I know. It's crazy. It's, it's amazing to see how busy it is. You know, you drive through Pasco right now and you're like, what? Pandemic? <laughs> right. No one told all these people here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it, Paso is, you know, it's not undiscovered anymore for better or for worse, but it, you know, it's cool to see that, you know, we, I mean, we got San Francisco right there and we got LA right there. That's a, that's a lot of people. And all of a sudden they realize, oh, they're only three and a half hours away. You know, they can make it for the night or for, for a, a great weekend trip and, and come up here and have great wine and great food and beautiful country and you know beautiful roads and you've got the beach right there and you've got you know great bike riding and you've got all this stuff and it's all right here and you know good hotels to stay at while you're doing it it's like yeah no wonder all of a sudden it's crowded downtown paso yeah and especially with uh the light of like covid and everything i think a lot of these people who lived in a lot busier areas yeah were able to find to the small town paso. Oh! <laughs> yeah you know and i want to give a little love to paso wine because paso has done so many things right in the last like 10 but plus years but yeah. you know the last decade just been dialing it in so tightly and so well that you will find people who live in LA and you think of the wine I, I know there's a there's a handful of wines that you just love out of Santa Barbara County yeah you know and they but people will drive right through it mm-hmm. to come to Paso yeah yeah I think it's it's got a heart you know where it's difficult in the Santa Barbara area it's, it's more spread out and there you know there's Santa Rita over here and San yeah. Inez and you know there's there's great spots all over and there's great you know restaurants here and there but you know Paso is this little town and yeah. it's all right there in Paso so yeah. I think it's got a little more draw with that and, and yeah the PRWCA has done such a great job of of promoting Paso as a whole and getting the word out but uh, yeah I think you know Santa Barbara has the potential but it, yeah to me it doesn't have that like that Quan, yeah, uh-huh. it's like what they talk about in Jerry Maguire, like that Quan, like that just that un- intangible, like that. What is that? Yeah, totally. who knows? We don't know what it is, but we know we got it. Yeah, we exactly. know we're lucky to be uh-huh. blessed with it. Yep. What do you say we get into the vineyards? You down to take me out for a little bit? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. Okay, hitting up James Berry Vineyard. Now, first of all, is, is this all James Berry Vineyard? Yep, yep. We're all in James Berry Vineyard, so everything everything around is James Berry. We got our different blocks, and we got we got Bone Rock up there, uh, and then we got our various other blocks that all go into the James Berry blend. And we're kind of going to cruise down through the vineyard and, and uh, hit uh, Rocket Block. What's the story behind the vintage Land Cruiser? This car's dope. So uh, this is a Land Cruiser that's been in the family forever. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned my dad's connection with Bobby Fetzer early on in, in our in our podcast here. So 
This was Bobby Fetzer's Land Cruiser that he bought new off the lot in 1985. And he drove the wheels off of it way back when, checking out all their vineyards. And then when he hired my dad to check out all the vineyards for him down here, he gave this Land Cruiser to my dad. And my dad drove the wheels off of it down here, checking on all the vineyards. And then, uh, and then they got him a new, a new truck and he gave this to me when I was in college back in 92 or something. And I drove the hell out of it through college, drove it to Mexico, Guatemala, all through Baja, and pretty much drove it until, until The it stories died. that this car has seen. Yeah, and so uh, it, it died, it, well, it actually never died. It just, it wouldn't smog back in the mid 90s. And so it needed a new engine after who knows how many hundreds of thousands of miles. So, so I kept it in the back 40, so to speak. Um, forever and I finally just last year uh, got it fixed back up and back on the road again what'd you do like is it legal yeah it's totally legal it's got it's got a new engine it's it's smog it's I can drive it and drive it anywhere you it's can drive it back to Guatemala yeah exactly <laughs> let's go dude let's go to Baja <laughs> yeah no it's 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 a great truck I love I love this thing look at Doggo following us yeah, from the, the winery Doggo will follow us everywhere we go he gets mad when we drive out of the vineyard because he can't follow us oh. So yeah, we're driving through the middle of Jamesbury now. You can see my folks' place up there. Yeah. And uh, and the little yellow barn down below them. That's where my dad's little cellar is. So that's where we used to to make our couple barrels. He still does. He still makes. He still does makes he? His barrels. Yeah. So actually, this block that we're driving by right here is a little block of Carignan. That's that's you his got block. Here? Well, he, he pretty much keeps it all himself. Yeah. <laughs> so he makes a couple barrels of Carignan, and then and then see along the driveway. There's that single row going all the way along there of Syrah, that's his row too. So he like, he still prunes all these vines himself and and uh, him and his friends pick it and, and they make he makes his uh, makes his wine still from there. You like the wines? Yeah, they are, they're awesome. That's so he, cool. He still tries crazy stuff every year too. Yeah, because he's always been pushing. He's yeah. always been pushing limits he's, and envelopes. He still does the weirdest things. I don't know, I, I can't even tell you the weird stuff he does. It's, it's, it's crazy, it involves like superheating the must for quick extraction and then he does like carbonic maceration for the first two weeks and then he puts it through the the destemmer and then he does like a, a a normal ferment after that so it's yeah it's the craziest stuff i don't think anybody in the world makes wine like he does do you ever want to play with things like carbonic and some of these like trendier kind of things that people are flirting with now uh i i, I enjoy them I and we do kind of some a few semi-carbonic things but uh yeah no not i don't want to get too crazy my, my son Colin right now is uh, working at a winery that they do a lot of crazy stuff like that. Do do some hipster stuff, pet gnats and whatnot. And he's he's enjoying it, but uh, but no, not for Saxon. We're, we're launching off the rocket block right now. I've never gone up rocket block. I was like, <laughs> I didn't even know this old car could make it up uh, here. Land Cruiser go anywhere. Yeah, we just went up what felt like a forty-five degree hill. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we did, dude. <laughs> And wow, look at that. Is that a... Yeah, a big red tail taking off. Wow. Super cool, huh? Now, there is nothing like this view. Yeah, so we're Do up on top of rockets. So see that ridge line right there? Yeah. That's that's the V2 right there. So that, that hilltop. It starts down there. That's Russell Fromm's vineyard you can kind of see on the on the edge there. Yeah. So it starts from the edge of his vineyard and it goes all the way to that second peak over there. So it's the whole mountaintop there. and um, Open parts are on the other side away from us. Can we get out for a quick second and you yeah. just talk to me about the flowering of what's going on here real quick? Yep. Do you talk to the vineyards? Do you do you talk out here? 
<laughs> that I talk not, to my not like to them in a weird way, but like I, I yeah, I commune with them. You do? Yeah, no, for sure. Especially like I used to love when I you know I'd spray the whole vineyard with sulfur and just driving down every row and the slow tractor and like seeing every vine in the whole vineyard and like and seeing how everything's doing and be like yeah you ever slept down here i know that vine yeah you're looking good this year <laughs> looking good girl. last year you were a little yeah. struggling this year you're looking good you ever slept out here uh no i mean i my house is in the vineyard no so i know <laughs> i pretty much sleep out here every day but, but i mean like, like because you know you were a kid you're younger uh, like you ever camp out here with your buddies minus 10 as a kid around here and my kids do they they yeah they, they had a bonfire right here i remember son Colin was in high school they would come out and put the pitch the tent right here and light a fire and no, you're not exactly I know right. You're, you're right here on top of the hill and your parents are not super close to you so you can sneak a couple beers or whatever right 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 <laughs> doggo followed us all the way up rocket block he is a trooper this one as we come down rocket block what is this like all these rocks here it's almost like a little a monument yeah what's the monument That's, uh, my dad likes to stack rocks you know so uh my, my mom and my dad, they, they, they take their walks every day through throughout the vineyard, and, and he likes to kind of get zen and, and see That's how super high cool. he can stack the rocks on top of each other. These peas, too, they're, they've been around Willow Creek forever. One of the old farmers, uh, Miles Barlogio, he, he's actually the guy that helped clear this vineyard back in the 30s. And so he, he had these peas, and you'll see them when you're growing over 46. You ever see those stands uh -huh. kind of wild sure. peas? Yeah, yeah. all from him. So he would actually really? drive around and throw handfuls of them out the window. No. Story goes, he actually used a pea shooter and, like, shoot them out the window <laughs> as he drove over these hills. And so you see little patches of, of sweet peas all over. So that's, a, that's what we've got here. So my mom kind of kept the, kept the tradition going from... Look at those birds. I mean... Those I, are magpies, yeah. What are they, magpies? Magpies, yeah. They're cool looking. They're cool looking, and they got a cool call. Yeah. Kind of got into birding recently, like my girlfriend's uh, yeah, really into yeah, it. Yeah, uh huh. Yep. See, there's one right there too. Oh wow, they're beautiful, like black birds with like this like white stripe on the wing. Yep. They're in the in the crow family. But yeah, they're super cool. They uh they're they uh you know crows are so smart. You know they'll, yes. they'll follow you on the tractor because you're you're kicking up bugs and stuff. So whenever they hear the tractor start up, they'll actually come and hang out. Ah! Yeah, as the tractor yeah. drives and the bugs are flying up in the air they'll be jumping around eating them this has been really cool a tour of jbv and the old land cruiser that's got a history in and of itself yeah i know i love this thing yeah that's just awesome all right let's get back into the uh what do you boys like the hookah lounge what do you call the, the little lounge we, yeah exactly the hookah lounge let's do it Fun times in the vineyards. Awesome. Uh, tour through James Berry. Mm. Can you believe how nice it is out there today? It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what you're looking. I mean, this is what you. How often do you get on the? Get the <laughs> that's you're the husky. That's doggo. Yeah, doggo. Doggo <laughs> likes it out there. Um, how often do you get a chance to get on the Kubota and just hit those vineyards like that? Uh, I try and do it pretty often. You know, to check on the grapes and see how things are going. You know, because it's. Uh, yeah, you got it, things are going so fast right now. You got to keep on top of things. And everyone talks about all the winemakers talk about their wines being like all their kids, right? And I can't pick one. They're all my kids. I love them all. But you're 
rows and your blocks. Yeah. I mean, these must be like, do you have like the troubled ones, the ones you're oh, watching a little yeah, more, yeah, 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 the yeah, ones that sure. are always behaving? You don't even have to watch them because they're so good. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you've got you got your favorite blocks, but that changes year to year. And you've got yeah some of these old ones that are really kind of struggling, and you're nursing them along, and you're like they're hardly giving you any grapes, but then you're like the two barrels they do give you are just amazing. Mm-hmm. So you're like, damn, you're good. I, can, yeah. I gotta just kind of nurse you along and right. keep you happy. And then you've got yeah the you know, the more productive blocks that are like you know, the powerhouses and whatnot. So yeah, and it, it changes every year. So. How long did it take you to dial in the? Uh, and we talked a little bit about this, you know, on the ride, but like the clonal selection and like all the different things that you have to choose because like I think of Rocket Block and you know you got the bottom of it, you got the middle of it, you got the top of it, which feels like you're about to launch into outer space. But how do you figure out like what? goes where and what does well where that's such a moving target and there's so many things to learn i definitely have not figured that all out yet you know because exactly like you said every top middle bottom different aspect different variety different rootstock different clone they all there's so many different combinations and you only get one shot to plant that and grow it out you know and grow up for so many years and then see if it works and then maybe it doesn't work but maybe you can try something else so yeah it's it's yeah i haven't totally not nailed that yet <laughs> yeah well i can't tell you how much um i love spending time here i love hanging out with you i think you're so easy to talk to once we finally like the first time i met you i remember it was like for a while because you are kind of a, a to yourself dude it took a lot of people who knew you to like you should call adam back he's not a bad guy <laughs> i know i know it's like a jordan fiorentini <laughs> russell from some people but man, I was, like i was getting hounded from all sides yeah. i think i know Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was years and years ago, but man, like you've you've always been so sweet and and uh, generous to let me in and let me come here at harvest and, and like peek around and you know I, there's like a cork dorks was here somewhere back they there. Still, it's, it's still, still on the wall back there. <laughs> <laughs> but I just can't. Um, you know, I was driving up here and I was talking to my girlfriend on the phone for a second. And you know, people yeah. who love your wines, Justin, would absolutely they would kill another human being <laughs> to do what I've done today. So I can't. You have to know this does not get lost on me. I feel so blessed to be here and to to call you a friend and to hang out and pick your brain and chat and i love the fact that you were so open and candid the people listening to this all over the place and just want to make their next trip to paso so it's so cool so i can't thank no, you I, I thank you you know it's like i said it's, it's awesome to see see your journey and you're so into it and, and you know thanks thanks for doing that and thanks for thanks for all your hard work Dude, cheers, cheers man. man cheers to socks cheers where wine takes you yeah. So give me that mm-hmm sound. We'll get by. We pass on round till the job is done. Camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Wow. Great conversation. Loved taking a trip through the vineyards. Gotta do that more often. And getting these stories riding in that truck. All that history, like Bobby Fetzer passing it on to Pebbles and Pebbles on to Justin and then him putting the new engine like this is, it was unreal. Can't wait to see what comes of those two new estate vineyards that he talked about. That last one in York Mountain, that is brand new. That is news. Pretty cool that he shared that with us. It was so much fun taking you inside there. Well, while I'm busy trying to figure out how to try and beat that episode, you bookmark PasoWine.com. It is a great resource to have for your next trip to Paso Wine Country. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer, Jen Bravo. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. Get some pics from the show. Follow me on Insta at Adam on the Air. Also, folks, DM me here and there and ask questions. I'm happy to chat with you there. Answer any questions you have from the show. Don't hesitate. It's all good. Follow Paso Wine 
while you're on social media at Paso Wine. And next time you're cruising around the Central Coast, make sure to tune me in on your radio, Coast 104.5, and up and at in the morning, weekday mornings, and the wine stuff, the cork dorks, on the Crush 92.5 Wine Country Radio. You can stream at crush925.com. I am your host, Adam Montiel. I know not every day we get to drink a wine that just stops us in our tracks like that 05 JBV we had today. But when you do, take it all in. And for that matter, whatever's in your glass, take it in, be about it, enjoy where wine takes you. And give me that passion, get by, we pass on down till the job is Camp out in the trees, it will simplify and good comp. Give me that moonshine, get by, we pass on down till the job is Camp out in the trees, it will simplify and good comp. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is out in the trees, we will simplify in good company. With that moonshine, we'll get by. We pass on round till the job is dry. Camped out in the trees, we will simplify in good company.